If you have your Bible, you might want to turn to Philippians 4, 13. Very, very familiar verse. You might want to put a big star out there by it. It's a great verse. It's one that uh, we want to keep close in our heart. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. That's our text for today. Let me ask you a question. Does that passage mean that we can fly? (laughs) I want to ask you that. Now think about it for just a minute. Does that passage mean that we cannot eat for six months and live? Does it mean that? I don't think God really meant for this verse to be stretched in certain ways. Jesus did not heal everybody, as you know. He did not minister to everybody, as you know. He did not visit everybody, as you know. He did not work 24 hours a day for three and a half years during his earthly ministry here. And we can't either. We can't uh, work 24 hours a day every day either. Tremendous frustrations come in the life of a Christian because of stress. Stress is on every hand. There are stresses that uh, are more like heartburn than like murder. They come kind of gradually, and then they finally get us in the end. You might ask, why do these airplanes keep coming in late? Why do they do that? You know, they've been doing this for, what, 100 years now, and there's hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of airplanes. Why can't they make those things work on time? And so we get real stressed out when we're standing there waiting on our plane to come in and for us to get on. Why can't the person with that sophisticated computer clear up my magazine subscription? Why is it that they can't do that? I mean, it's a simple thing. I could do it with a pencil. Uh, why, Why is that so hard for them? It's just ridiculous. Now, if you think you can fix everything and do everything, you are on your way to the mental institution. Stress is not the circumstance. It is our response to the circumstance. That's what stress is. Our stress is not out there somewhere. It's inside each one of us. Some of us want to do all things through Christ. We find that we can't do all things. In fact, uh, we can accomplish a few things. Rather than going into depression, we ought to take pride in the fact that we can do some things and that we can do them well. That's very important. This principle should apply not only to our religious lives, but also to our jobs, to our relationships, to our families, to our neighborhood buddies. It ought to apply in all those situations. Some stress that we have is good stress. And you say, well, I didn't know that. 
I thought it was all bad. No, some of it is good. Eustress is good stress. It energizes us. You know how the foot players, the football players gather in the back room back there before they come out and they start yelling and they start jumping up and down and slapping each other's pads and they, you know, they kind of psych themselves up. That's eustress. Uh, eustress is what uh, helps so many do so well just before they go out to do it. Eustress is what makes us especially creative before a deadline. When concentration and efficiency are so much easier when we're psyched up to do it. Eustress is a creative tension that each of us really need upon occasion in our lives. There are three sources of stress in our age that are relatively new in our human history. First, Due to the alarming increase of violence and crime, you know in Chicago they kill somebody every day. And if they miss a day, then they kill four the next day. It's terrible. It is unbelievable what's happening up there. It's just terrible. And they can't seem to stop it. You know, it just goes on and on. It's been going on for years. We, because of violence and crime, we're more afraid than the general populace has been in the history of our country. That's what a lot of researchers are, are finding. We don't leave our windows open at night. We don't know what might crawl in. We keep our windows locked. We keep our doors locked. When I was a little boy in Chattanooga, we didn't lock our doors. We didn't close our windows. We didn't do any of that. We felt safe. We weren't, but we felt safe. Today, you are not safe. There is no doubt about that. Have you read or heard about that guy over in Seminole Heights? He's killing people right and left, just walking around shooting people, no, no relationship with him. He's just shooting people. Serial killer. Well, couples uh, used to go out and, and walk through parks. They don't do that anymore. You know why? Because bad things happen in parks. And people are scared. People are afraid. They don't want to get mugged. They don't want to get murdered. So they don't do it. Secondly, due to the rapidly changing job markets in America, we are more professionally insecure than we have ever been before. And, of course, that causes a lot of stress in our lives. Robotics and international competition for business have changed the whole ball game. They say that tens of thousands of jobs in America are being lost every year because of robotics and that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We wonder, well, what's going to happen? Where are all these people going to work? We don't know. And, of course, the stress level, as we realize that, just continues to go up. 
Thirdly, due to a widespread separation that's going on among families and divorces among families, sociologists tell us that we are more alone. The corporate mentality is that we are more alone than we have ever been before in the history of America. A church family concept in this environment is so important. I just can't uh, say it strong enough. It is crucially important. People want to be in a church where there is a family construct, where there is a family attitude, where there is a, a family time of worship and prayer and ministry. It's very, very important. A place where single adults and marrieds and seniors can all feel like they are a dynamic part of the doings of the church. They're in there. They have a hand in the game, so to speak. So many people travel by themselves during the week. And when they get back home on Friday night or early Saturday morning, They look forward to going to church on Sunday because they're not on the go there. They're they're happy to see us. They're glad we're back. You know, it's been thrilling to me to see some of the folks that are here every winter uh, come back. There are some that have come back this week, and I'm so glad that you're here. You know, it's, it's very important to us. We're... We feel like that's a part of our family. It's just gone for a little while, fooling around. And uh, now they're back where they ought to be. Well, the church is a place where we grow to love people. On Sunday mornings, I stand out there in the hall, and as people come in, I greet them, and I ask them how they're doing. And I... You know, I get to know a little bit more about them each week as it goes by. And then I come in here and I walk up and down the aisles and I kind of check up on people and see how they're doing and what's going on in their life. Did their football team lose? My team is 0-5 now. Uh, it's, uh, it's a gradual thing. You know, we, over the years, we get to know each other. We begin to care about each other. We know that they are praying for us and we're praying for them. And it becomes a church family. And that's what our world needs today. We need a a place where any individual can go and can sense the love of God on their life. And the handshake of a friend, of a person that you have gotten to know gotten to care about, gotten to love. There was a recent uh, survey of 5,000 residents of Alameda County in California. It took nine years to get all the statistics together. And when they got them all together, they found out a lot of different things. One of the main things they found out was that those who were unmarried in that group had years less life expectancy than those that were married. I think that speaks to the need of a strong single adult group in our church, in every church, 
where in-depth relationships with other singles can occur, where friendships can be made. And you don't ever have that sense of, well, I'm alone. Where there can be a strong sense of connectedness to the body of Christ. We have a, a great singles group in our church. They meet out there uh, every Sunday and decide where they're going to eat lunch together. If you're a single adult, I, I think you ought to join them. And as you do that, you know, as the weeks go by, you get to know them and you get to care about them. You begin to pray for them. They begin to pray for you. And then they become a part of your family. And then they're very significant to you. Well, uh, that's important. That is very, very important. I didn't get married till I was 50. I know what uh, being a single adult's all about. I experienced that for a long time. And what happened to me and what I hope is happening to you is that a lot of people reached out and, and became like brothers and sisters in the faith to me. And they were very, very important people to me in my life. Over the last several decades, stresses and expectations and pressures have grown. Those things are growing. While social and emotional support systems are decreasing. That's not good. It seems like we are all overloaded. Overload in the United States is similar to poverty in India. It's everywhere. It's literally everywhere. We have traffic overload. Can you imagine 674, what's going to happen out there? You know, every year we uh, have more cars on that road, and I'm thinking, well, why don't they make 19 go into the freeway over there and take a lot of the traffic off of this road? There's no plans to do that. There's no plans to change this into uh, more uh, lanes right out in front of our church here. And you think, well, why aren't they doing that for crying out loud? You know, what, is somebody asleep at their job? What? What's going on? And the stress, you know, we get in these traffic jams and the stress, you know, just kind of builds and grows. Each person has a different resiliency to overload. There's a point where people begin to break down. Of course, every person is different. Some people, that comes rather quickly, and others, it uh, doesn't come hardly at all, ever. When the overload for any person becomes too great, their only course of action is to shut down their systems. It's the only thing they can do. For a lot of people, a physical or emotional breakdown is the only way of escape that they have. Some people resort to hostility. They blame their overload on those around them. Once I was uh, behind a car, I was driving, and, and he was a little bit ahead of me, and, and the arms on a railroad track came down, and so he was the closest to the railroad track, and I was second in line. And then, of course, the line 
grew behind us. A train was going real slow in, in front of us, and uh, it stopped. And then it backed up. And the guy in front of me, I could tell, he, he wasn't liking this at all. And he was kind of shaking his head like, what in the world, you know, or something akin to that. <laughs> Not sure exactly what it was. Uh, then the uh, train went forward. And then it stopped. And then it backed up. And this guy started hitting the seat next to him with his, with his hand. And then he started kind of, you know, doing this. We've all done this a few times. He started doing that. Well, then the, stra- the train stopped. And it started going again. And then... What happened was what I was afraid would happen. It stopped. And the man in front of me, I am not lying, I swear this is the truth. That guy got out of his car and stood beside his car and started slapping the car (laughs) with his hands and his arms. I mean, he was beating on the car. And I thought, this guy is losing his mind right in front of me. And I thought, well, should I get out and go up there and try and help him? Should I reach out? What should I do? So about that time, the train leaves. I was very glad (laughs) because I didn't know what the next uh, uh, thing would be. Well, the nightly news carries all the bad news. That fool in Seminole Heights is killing people. Shootings on the freeway. If you pull in front of somebody... Uh, you have to do that gently because if you don't, you know, they might shoot you. There's all kinds of crazies on the, on the roads. About once a month, you'll read in the newspaper where some kid got mad at their teacher and they went in the next morning and shot him, first thing. Just shot him, killed him. You know, that kind of thing is going on all across America. There's rudeness in big cities because of people overload. There's a lot of contention and fighting and pushing in the NBA because of competition overload. Everybody wants to be the star. Everybody can't be the star. And so they start pushing and shoving and fighting. And they get thrown out of the game, but they did their little thing. Some people just go into depression when they're overloaded. They feel a lot of hostility, and the hostility is directed inward. Sometimes we in the church say, well, that person is just weak. No, they're they're overloaded. Or we might say that some person is apathetic. They just have no energy, no emotion at all. Well, no, that's not it. They're, They're just overloaded. Some people say, well, that, you know, that guy, that gal, they, they have no commitment to anything. No, that's, that's not it. They're just overloaded. When people are overloaded, the last thing, and I mean the absolute last thing that they need, is the additional burden of our reproof. That's the last thing that they need. What they need is a helping hand, a loving word, 
a brother, a sister in the faith. That's what they need. If we're going to err, let's at least err on the side of grace, not on the side of law. We have choice overload today. In 1978, there were 12,000 items in the average grocery store. Did you know that today there are 25,000 different items in the average grocery store? 25,000. We have to choose today between 185 different breakfast presentations in the store. 185. Cereals, this, that, oatmeal, cream of wheat, you know, all the stuff. 185 choices. That's enough to drive any of us crazy. We have competition overload. In business, it's cutthroat. People uh, get so upset and they're stressed. Guess what? Their stress keeps going up. In school, they grade on the curve, so some people cheat. They certainly don't want to be at the bottom of the bell curve. In athletics, some coaches, some booster groups do anything to get the players that will make their team win. And I mean anything. They'll hire prostitutes. They'll give money behind the back. They'll give cars. They'll do anything so that their team can win on Saturday or on Sunday. It's just unbelievable. We have debt overload. Some people that live in the nicest sections of every town in America are just one, one bill away from the whole thing collapsing. They, they are living in a house of cards. If they don't cover this with that, if they don't borrow from here and go to there, then it all just collapses right in front of them. And then the car's taken and the motorcycle's taken and the boat is taken and you have to get out of the house. We have expectation overload. People today, when they finish uh, college or they go to work, they think, I need to find the perfect mate. I need to get the perfect job. I need to get the perfect car. I need to get the perfect house. And if they don't get all those things, they lose it. They just lose it. The stress takes them down. We have hurry overload. Haste is our modern ailment. Our lives are nonstop. They are lived at a breathless pace. We walk fast, we talk fast, we eat fast. And then we get up and we say, well, got to run. And so we leave the folks that uh, we were eating with. Hastiness and superficiality are the diseases of the 21st century. We have people overload. I want to tell you an, an amazing statistic. I verified this on the Internet. Everything is true on the internet. It said every time the earth goes around, every 24-hour period, there are 360,000 more people on earth. Every time. 
360,000 more people. We have traffic overload. Our national flower is becoming the clover leaf. <laughs> Cars are multiplying twice as fast as people. There's all kinds of uh, facts and statistics on that. If overloading causes such personal and social dysfunction, why do we do it? Why do we keep doing it? So many feel like they ought to do all they can. They rely on the imperatives of life rather than the indicatives. They think opportunities are responsibilities that they have to manage. I'm sure that some of you feel that way. For a good time in my life, I felt that way. If it was an opportunity, it was something that I ought to do. Chronic stress overloading is not God's will for your life. It's not. And you've got to think about that and pray about that and bring that up to where you you realize the fact of that. We, in fact, have to make some choices and limit ourselves. Our text today, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Well, I believe that verse means this. It means that specific things that God blesses, not everything. Now think about that for a minute. We can't fly. We don't have wings. We can't do that. No matter how much we want to do it, we can't do it. We can't jump over a tall building with a single bound like Superman used to do. We can't do that. Chronic overloading has a very negative effect on our spiritual lives. We have less time for prayer, less time for meditation, less time for Memorizing scripture, less time for sharing spiritual conversation with our friends, with our family. We just don't have time for any of those things. We're we're real, real busy. And of course, we have less time for service, for ministry. This next month, uh, our nominee committee is going to be going out and asking a lot of you to do certain things in our church. We have a zillion different jobs in our church. And if people don't do those those things, then our church doesn't doesn't do as well. It's very important that, that people say, well, I'd be glad to do that. I can do that as a part of my ministry. It's very, very important that each of us have something that we're doing that helps the causes of Christ. It's very important that we can learn to say yes to those things that would lead us into ministry and no to some of those things that are a total waste of time. I had an adult friend that his whole life was wrapped around baseball cards. I'm serious. His whole life, baseball cards were the most important thing to him of anything. Well, I newsflash, they're not the most important thing. You know, we're going to ask uh, for about 10 guys to be deacons in our church. 
starting this next year. That's probably the hardest job in our church is to be one of our deacons. But nonetheless, we need 10 more people to be deacons. Some people are phasing off. It's a three-year commitment. So we're, we're going to need some of you to say, yes, I'd, I'd be willing to do that. I'd be willing to be a part of the group that really forms much of the spiritual backbone of our church. We must learn the art of setting limits. We must learn not to overdraw on our account of emotional and spiritual energy. Christ had such a wonderful wayside ministry. You know, he didn't have a Ford pickup. He walked everywhere. Everywhere he went, he walked. And Along the way, the disciples, of course, were with him, and, and then there were folks that had heard about him, and they wanted to see what he looked like, and listen to what he said, and so there were crowds that followed him everywhere he went. And as all that was going on, he would teach, and, and people would hear and listen, and they'd rest after walking away, and Jesus would teach and preach, and they would listen. And it was just wonderful. You know, he taught them all these wonderful spiritual truths and, and all these wonderful ideas about how to help your brother, how to help your sister. He was never in a hurry. I challenge you to find any place in the scripture where he was in a hurry. He was never in a hurry. He was never overloaded. Never. He had time to stop and to talk and to minister, and to heal, and to love. We ought to follow that example. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Our Lord has certain things for you to do. He wants you to do certain things. He wants you to do them well. He wants you to do them thoroughly. He wants you to do them to his glory. Maybe today you would decide to do some of those things that you should do. We're going to give an invitation. We're going to invite people to come forward and to take a stand for Christ that have never trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Maybe there are some that have been visiting with us for a period of time. We'd love to have you come and join with us and serve. Serve with us. Be a part of the ministering team. Some maybe would want to come and rededicate their lives to Christ. Whatever decision you'd like to make, I'll be standing down here at the front to receive you as you come. Let's stand together as we sing.